Welcome in everybody to the Sunday recap. We're so glad that you joined us today. We are going to be talking through the next part of the Go Together series. We are now in like week three. Week three of the Go Together series. Week three. Yeah. Hey, uh, with me as always is Ariel Eldridge and hey. Mitch Green. It's his birthday. I can't, I gotta say, I it. know. It's Mitch's birthday. I know. I'm, I'm 30 today, so these two finally respect me a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> Only when you said you were in pain from kettlebells. <laughs> That's awesome. So, yeah. Finally, I've earned some respect in the room. Happy no, I'm just birthday, kidding. Man. Are you doing anything big for your birthday? So, this is, this is 30. Um, so my plan, yes, I'm doing a lot of little things with different friends and stuff, but my plan was like to have something every night of the week that was fun. That mm -hmm. were my favorite things in my fun, my, my favorite things in my twenties. Last night I was supposed to do a video game tournament with some of my friends. Oh, <laughs> last minute they all fell off. like <laughs> So I had two friends. They're just that, afraid of you. Two That's friends all. that came over that don't play video games. And, and. So we were supposed to play online with other people, but the other guy who got on was like, hey, I didn't realize I don't have this game anymore. <laughs> and then two other guys, one guy's like, my kid has an, has an earache. My other, like he was like oh, so yeah. so literally you've like moved, you've moved into the one one guy yeah. one guy gets on it's like dude I guess you could play like all four of us but that would take like four or five hours so let's just yeah. like call it here and nice. hang out. so this is thirty this is thirty Aww. yeah yeah. <laughs> 40s fun right. too. Okay. Yeah. I'm sure. <laughs> we can talk about that in 10 years. Oh, goodness. So, <laughs> well, hey, happy birthday. We're, uh, I will say this. We'd be on our like 1200th episode. Oh, I know. In yeah. 10 years. It'd be awesome. That, but, wow. But no, we 12, are, we are glad that you are you and we are glad Thank that you. you are here. That's right. So, mm -hmm. yeah. Uh, yeah. I like birthdays as opportunities to speak life into people and just tell them what we love about them. Yeah. And I don't have anything to say. <laughs> I'm like, and... <laughs> I'm All right, food truck Friday. <laughs> yeah, let's talk about food truck Friday. So shifting gears, uh, this Friday, August, uh, August, October 9th is food truck Friday. Ariel, um, I know you've been working hard to get this all set up. Tell us a little bit about what this is going to be like and what we should expect and why we should come. Yes. So we have been studying the book of Philippians and just talking about community so much, and especially this week as we dive into it a little bit more. But um, it's been a crazy year, guys. It has been a crazy year. And we have um, we have thankfully been kind of firing back together in person, but not as much. So we were like, what can we come up with that's outdoors right. and fun that we can get together? So um, Food Truck Friday will be all outdoors. Um, come, bring your family, bring your friends, bring your neighbors, maybe that you've just started talking to with the Pray and Go. Mm -hmm. And uh, uh, come with some cash ready to uh, grab dinner here from one of the trucks that we're offering. We'll have New York Slice and Box Burger. Awesome. And then we'll have some free marshmallows to roast. All around right. the fires. Lots of fires. Very cool. <laughs> Nine to be exact, right? Nine oh, fire six. pits? We're gonna, six. We're gonna do we went six. down to okay. six. We weren't really sure what the smoke would look like. <laughs> yeah. Nine fires. Yeah. Yeah. We got an emergency here. I mean, we got, we know a lot of firemen. so. Well, could you imagine, like, I struggle sometimes to build one fire. Yeah. Trying to build six of them at the same yes. time. <laughs> I'm going to need a fire Sign team. Sign someone else up. Oh, yeah. Fire team. <laughs> Definitely. That sounds like a lot of fun. I love the food truck idea. So just to be clear... People have to buy their own dinner, right, from the food truck. So True, we're not yes. providing that, but yeah. we are providing the marshmallows for that part. Right, okay. right. Yeah, and even if you don't want to buy dinner, um, have dinner at home. Come see us and have a little dessert around yes. the fire and hang out. Great idea. Some, some, to some tunes. Yes, we will community. have live music. We'll have... Um, 
we'll have Dan Vincent from our from our church. He's yeah. one of our own here with one of his buddies, and they're going to be playing some live music. Oh, yeah, fantastic. You've seen him in the back. This week, you're going to see him oh, up front. Yes. <laughs> oh, man. He is one of our favorite guitarists on, our, awesome. on our worship team. Yeah, so. Cool. so Friday night, be there. Wish so me a happy birthday. Said, uh, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> we'll all sing happy birthday to me. We're yeah. throwing you a party. Yeah, We're pretending it. it's Make it up for Monday night. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, 5.30 is when it starts, right? Yes. And it goes until about 8-ish or whenever 8 people. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Yeah. And weather still looks good. Yeah. It looks like it'll be in the 70s. Yeah. And sunny. That'll be awesome. In so, the 70s, by that we mean like 71. Yeah, well, we'll see. This is Indiana. You just don't know. (laughs) Well, that'll be great. So, yeah, uh, mark your calendars. Uh, Plan to be there. Bring bring your your family, your loved ones, your friends. Yeah, your family Um, for food, for fun, for fellowship. Wearing flannel on Friday. Friday. There you go. With fire. (laughs) With fire. (laughs) With fire. Hey, this week, uh, Pastor Scott preached on Philippians chapter 1, verses 18 through 30. Uh, This is Go Together week three. He called it win-win situation, really because Paul's worldview here, and this is ultimately what I think this sermon is about, is explaining Paul's worldview. It ends up having an influence on what we think about life and what we think about death. And um, and that was really the, the main the main focus of this this message this sermon. Um, just to kind of frame this for us, um, I would love to to just start by reading uh, this passage. Um, it's it's a little bit of a longer passage, but I think it's going to help us to see a couple things. Yes, and I will rejoice, for I know that through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance, as it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not be at all ashamed, but that with full courage now as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. If I am to live in the flesh, that means fruitful labor for me, yet which I shall choose, I cannot tell. I'm hard pressed between the two. My desire is to depart and be with Christ, for that is far better. But to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. Convinced of this, I know I will remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy in the faith, so that in me you may have ample cause to glory in Christ Jesus because of my coming to you again. Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel, and not frightened by anything by your opponents. This is a clear sign to them of their destruction, but of your salvation and that from God. For it has been granted to you that for the sake of Christ, you should not only believe in him, but also suffer for his sake, engaged in the same conflict that you saw I had and now hear that I still have. Awesome. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, we got to let you popcorn that one next time. <laughs> oh, that's man. a long one. That's a long one. Who to do? Yep. Uh, now, the worldview of Paul is, I think, huge. It's a, it's a, it's a, it, it, there's a lot in his writings that give us uh, some information about the, the worldview that he holds. Um, really quick, maybe I just need to explain worldview. Um, well, what is a worldview? I think of it as like a filter in which you see the world, almost yeah. like lenses. Right. We've and talked about having a gospel worldview or a gospel set of lenses. You see things through that. Exactly. Yeah. So like everybody has a worldview yes. and it's shaped by uh, the culture that you were raised in and the experiences that you've had and the religion that you may follow or not follow or, you know, things like that. All of that shapes your worldview and how you see the world. 
Uh, so Paul really has a worldview, and it's really been shaped by Christ. Um, and a, there's a lot of things in this passage that seem to give us little hints at what that worldview is. So just looking at this passage, do you think that there are, what are some of the passages that you see in there or some of the things that Paul says that maybe helps us to understand his worldview a little bit better? Well, I'm going to go straight from the text here. And in verse 19, um, he says that this will turn out for my deliverance. And, and so what I think I see him um, sharing with the church in Philippi is that he sees either option as deliverance. Um, yeah. And I think we even heard this week Scott talk about that word deliverance means salvation, right? Right. Yep. And so um, so whether it's in the flesh or whether it is to go on um, and to be with Christ, he sees both as as a, as a win, mm-hmm. um, which is a is pretty much what this whole passage is about. Yeah. You know, Paul often refers to salvation in three different categories, mm-hmm. right? So you have the the past tense category, which is it, what he talks about is really justification. Like in the past, God saved me, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, then then you have the present tense category, which is the sanctification side, that God is saving me. Yeah. You know, he is currently working in such a way to to make me more into the image of Christ, and that is salvation. And then he talks about the future tense of it all, and that is glorification. That is the idea that one day we will go and be with God in glory, mm-hmm. and we will have um, you know, a glorified body in the new heavens mm-hmm. and new earth and all of that stuff. And so salvation really has all three of those points. So, so Ariel, I think what you're saying is exactly right, because um, if he stays, then there's something for him to gain in that, in his sanctification. So he will be saved. He will be, in other words, he will continue in that salvation. But if he dies, then he moves on to glory mm-hmm. and he's saved there as well. Mm-hmm. So man, that is a life-changing perspective in so many ways. <laughs> yeah. And it takes me back to week one when we looked at verse six of the first chapter and mm-hmm. that when he says, I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. And, right. and we really were trying to dig into what that good work is. And I think you just nailed it with those three tenses of salvation. Yeah. I thought that was really helpful when Scott, when Scott yeah, said yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, I, I love when I was reading through this passage, you know, just the note here where he says, but to remain in the flesh is more necessary on your account. Uh-huh. I think like typically I read the first part before that where he's like, which one should I choose? Yeah. You know, life or death. And I kind of see them as like a neutral, you know, like, oh, choose one, like choose one or the other. You know, if you go to heaven, you're with Christ. If you're on earth, you're going to be serving in ministry. But he kind of comes to this conclusion point where he's like, no, it's more necessary for me to live because of your account yeah, mm-hmm. for the spread mm-hmm. of the gospel. So it's like yeah. I've never really seen that, like, actually living, you know, is there's more purpose to that, you mm-hmm. know, that he's expressing here. And so for me, it was like, oh, like, so that's why we press on and live. Yeah. We don't just, like, hope for death one day, right. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. because it's because they're both, you know, like a net neutral. It's like we actually choose to live in minister out of this. Yeah. Well, that's what I was going to say. The flip side of that, yeah. is that is that if we still have breath in us, yes. that means that there is work for us to mm-hmm. do, you know. Um, I, I was I remember being a young pastor, and I was talking with a, a, an older gentleman, uh, an amazing saint, uh, you know, in, in the church, and he was— uh, he, he kind of told me this ethic because he was about to retire. And I was like, well, what are you going to do? Are you going to like take a bunch of vacations? Are you going to go, you know, do this and do that? And, you know, all the typical things that retired people do in America. He's like, well, no, this is when the work actually starts. Mm-hmm. I'm like, what? And, and, and he kind of really laid out this world. And he was like, this just frees me up to do more ministry 
right now. And I'm like, wow. that's that's an awesome perspective yeah, on that. One of the things too, I, I think is is critical for Paul's worldview. And, and, and we've already hinted around this yeah. a little bit, but it's the idea that his worldview is so shaped by what's going to come. Like it's yeah. so shaped by the by the reality of Christ's return and the great judgment that's going to take place, and then the new heavens and new earth. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so everything really, it's crazy how much of Paul's thinking is centered around that one concept. Um, and you can, I mean, we've already, we've already seen it in the things that we're talking about here. And so, because he has such assurance, he has such assurance that this is what's going to happen. Um, he has, you know, the, the confidence in that is, is astounding. And I feel like for, for us, sometimes we, we lack so much that confidence. And yet if we had more of that confidence in, in like, this is what life is going to be like that, that maybe we would live differently in some ways. Yeah. So how, so how does one grow in confidence? That's the question. Yeah. How does one grow in that confidence? Um, in the, honestly, what that is, is that's just faith, like growing in, in, in faith that what God says about the coming of Christ again, and the new heavens and new earth is actually true. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. For me, one way that it, my faith has grown is to understand more of God's faithfulness to me. And mm-hmm. that has been through reading his word. Shocker, shocker. <laughs> <laughs> Bible lady here again. <laughs> and it really has, because when you see how much he has uh, provided everything he has required and just how faithful he is to his people and has been all throughout the history of, of the world, um, and just how these stories just repeat themselves of how he doesn't waver, he doesn't, he doesn't give up, um, that increases my faith in a God who is is so steadfast. Mm-hmm. I think for me, that's the same thing I was thinking because again, I've I've been wrestling a lot with you know what is what does faithfulness look like, mm-hmm. you know, and how can we not let our faithfulness like being faithful just becomes about doing works, yeah, you know. So I think we have a tendency to go, okay, now I got to be more faithful, you mm-hmm. know, so I got to go do more. But really, I think what you're saying, Ariel, is is like the important thing to understand that we start at this place of understanding. You know, okay, what does God's faithfulness look like for right, us? Right. Um, you know, we talked a little bit about this last week, but it's not only that, like, okay, it's like this is a truth that motivates us, you mm-hmm. know, the gospel. It's also the power by which we go, you know. And yeah. as Chris said, there's also this looking back piece. That there's this looking forward piece that Paul's doing that, that's saying this is our eternal reality, but also looking back and saying this is what Christ has done. Mm-hmm. So these things motivate us, but they're also the power by which that we do go out and we do ministry. So faithful is like responding to what God's done for us. So I think sometimes, you know, we struggle to have the clarity on what has God actually done. Mm-hmm. Like, what are the truths? What is what is what is our eternal security actually like? Mm-hmm. You know, and how does it impact things? So then we go try to we go to try to do, and when we try to do things by our own power, we get stuck. Yeah, and I yeah. think I think that's kind of the rat race, you know, this wheel that we're on. <laughs> yeah, because you, know? you you either get stuck or you um, burn yourself out. Yes, you, you turn it turns into pietism, and that's just like striving, mm. striving, and doing things out of your own. Yeah, I was going to say strength. define pietism a little bit for us. Oh yeah, well I would say that it is um, it is less 
on the side of resting in God's faithfulness to you and letting your works be the overflow of that, yeah, and more on the side of working toward being faithful to God and proving that you are faithful. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, absolutely. That's great, and I and I think now that's where this worldview conversation comes in because I think a lot of us we have a worldview, mm-hmm. you know that that is that is founded on. You know, and we see it, we see it interact with the way we see different things, you know, how we approach politics or racism or what's happening in the world. Mm -hmm. And we need to have a worldview that's founded on Christ, this kind of gospel lens that we've been talking about, so that we can understand these things within an eternal perspective of what God has for us Mm -hmm. and what Christ has done on the cross. Like, that's our foundation. And so now I think it becomes blatantly obvious when I talk to friends in my life outside of the Christian faith. And they'll talk about, you know, how are they handling and seeing different situations in life, and it's hopeless. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's no, there's no room for hope, because when you're left to just look at your situation and what's going on in your life, I think Paul talked, sorry, Scott talked about this a few weeks ago when he was talking about atheists, but, like, you're left to just look at the current reality, and you just go, this is what it is. And I see that with my friends. Yeah. And so this is why it's so important to even introduce to them, hey, there's this, you know, truth that we're offered in Christ that you know, surpasses what we're experiencing in this world. Yeah. That's not defined by this world. That's not defined by being in prison or suffering or trial. Mm-hmm. What's foundational is what Christ has done and what Christ is going to do. Right. And then we can carry on. Yeah. Man, holding that as the as a reality, I mean, that's a that's a big shift for I think a lot mm-hmm. of a lot of Christians. Um, one of the things that Scott said on Sunday was that Scott uh, he said this, he said Jesus is an add-on to our already complicated lives. For a lot of for a lot of Christians, Jesus is an add-on to their already complicated lives. Um, and so what he meant by that is 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 this idea of like we're still the determiner of everything that's true. Mm-hmm. We're we're holding this idea like we're the ones that decide what's right and wrong and what's true and not true. And we have all these different sources of truth, you know, so it could be one could be the Bible, but then another could be, you know, a TV show and news media and all that sort of stuff. But we're determining what's right, what's wrong, what's true, not true. Um, And ultimately, what Christ is asking us to do is saying, uh, well, the way he said it is that Jesus doesn't doesn't want to be an add on to your life. And I think ultimately, what that means is, Jesus will not allow himself (laughs) to be an add on to your life. I mean, there, it's either it's all or nothing. You're, you're either um, 100% sold out in, into this, or you're not. Uh, you're either believing that this is the reality that's coming, or you're not. Um, why is that the case? Sorry. Yeah. So I, I'm gonna I'm gonna start in a place of more like why do we think that way? Yeah. And then maybe mm-hmm. we can get to like the truth side yeah. of things. Yeah. So I mean, we are way more individualistic um, as a people than we've ever been in the history of the world. Mm. Um, so I think that's, I think it's almost something where like, this would be such a radical thought <laughs> to think about at any other period in the history of the world, to mm-hmm. think that you are the center of the universe. Sure. Um, that what matters most is your identity and your goals. Yeah. Um, so, you know, even in America, I would say, you know, so, you know, you look at the past hundred years in America and you've seen a shift from kind of like the American dream nuclear family picture to individuals thriving within their professional sphere. Mm-hmm. So we've even begotten more individualistic in America. Well, you go back even culturally, you know, farther back and you look at, you know, within Jewish society and you know, you're talking about people that exist largely in community, yep. mm-hmm. not even just in families. Yeah. So there's a whole nother degree of separation. So 
And I think a lot of this stems from um, some of the ways that we approach gospel truth, which is true in the 90s in the church, was where we focused on uh, my personal relationship with Jesus. Mm -hmm. And so we kind of spoke into the individualism that was happening in society, which isn't isn't a bad thing, but what it does is it makes it all about us. Mm -hmm. So you look at the way that people even begin to share their testimonies, and they say, what was my life like before Christ? What was my life like how did Christ change my life? And now what does my life look like? Yeah. And it's this it's this story of your transformation and what God's doing through you. Yeah. Now, that's that's like how I think we got here, <laughs> if, that, if that makes sense. So I think it's just such a radical thing that you, you would not find many people that would be hearing um, Paul's words or reading this letter and not thinking it thinking of it within the context of community mm -hmm. um, or bearing for one another's needs. Yeah. Why, Doesn't really answer your question, but I just like, I think that's important to know, like, why are we so far off? Well, I think it's, it, it steps right into what Scott was saying on Sunday about this being idolatry mm -hmm. because I mean, um, and he didn't unpack this to explain exactly what, what that meant, but I think that this is what it is, that the idol is the self at the mm -hmm. end of the day, um, this individualistic idea. So why is this idolatry? Well, I think it's, I think it's idolatry to, to hold that kind of view, like where, where we have Christ as just an add-on to our life. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's idolatry because then we're saying we are God. We're saying we're the ones that are, that are actually in charge of you know, yeah. what's right and wrong. Which is to me right. why it's, it's it's hard to almost just answer the question of why would he think this way? It's because, well, the God of the universe, you know, wants us to bring worship to him, yeah. for him. So it's such a it's such a radical question to even ask it when you really think about it. Yeah. Because it's like, man, you look throughout the Old Testament and it's like, God's, God's not only concerned with... Um, worship only being given to him, mm -hmm. you know, over, over other, you know, idols and things. He's concerned with how we worship him. Mm -hmm. So, so God, God is about bringing worship to himself. The God of the universe is never going to be about bringing worship to you, yeah. <laughs> you know, like, in fact, it goes completely against our, our creation. Mm -hmm. You know, we're created to bring glory to God. So, so in our identity, our purpose is to bring glory to God Himself. So, so it's it's a it's a really good question. But the reality is, it's like once we start to get in that spot about, well, why would God not want to be about my prospering? Mm -hmm. We've missed even our created identity. Yeah, like we've gotten so far off the mark yeah. to start to say that God would be about my thriving. Now, that's not that God doesn't want what's best for you, but again, it's like the primary purpose is to glorify God. Yeah. And thriving by what standard? You know, yeah, like yeah. Yeah. The, the standard is different than what we might think. We'll go back to what you were saying about the idolatry. I think that's pretty much spot on because our God is um, is sovereign and um, jealous and will not share. And so when we try to like squeeze in other things like, you know, I love Jesus, but namaste, you know, it's it doesn't work because he will not share that place. Yeah. Um, and he he. He doesn't need to. Um, and then you might think, oh, well, jealous seems like a negative aspect, but it is a perfect jealousy of a perfect God right? who doesn't share our humanistic um, desires and needs. He is fully say and fully himself and, and satisfied within himself that he doesn't need anything from us. Yeah, and that's just where it's so interesting that we get to this place. Because, I mean, it's like the, the front that Jesus puts out there is, you know, there's no way to the Father but through me. 
Mm-hmm. And and God, you know, in the Old Testament, Yahweh puts the front out there that says, you know, put no other gods before me. Mm-hmm. You know, like like I am I am the one true God, mm-hmm. you know? And so it's like to get to the point where we're starting to ask the questions about, okay, well, but what does God, is God like about what I want? Yeah. It's just like, like so crazy when you're thinking about, no, like the God of the universe wants to be in perfect union with you, mm-hmm. but it's through his ability. So once we start to get into the conversation of what do we do to bring to the table, we're missing that God's like, like Jesus is like, no, it's, it's, I'm the only way to the Father right? by the work that I've done. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And you know what's interesting about this, too, is as we do this, um, like as we continue to make Jesus just an add-on to our life, it ends up having some really strange results or strange uh, conclusions in our life. Like Scott mentioned a few, like like it reduces Christianity to just being about, you know, being a good person mm-hmm. or being moral. And at that point, what it does is it puts Christianity on sort of a, and this is this is one of the arguments that come from, from secularists uh, where they come back and they're just like, all world religions are the same because they're all just trying to make you be a more mm-hmm. moral person. You coexist. Right? Yeah. And the coexist thing, which yeah, don't get me started on that. But um, <laughs> but um, but I think it also reduces Christianity to pragmatism. So it, so it ends up being this. In other words, it reduces Christianity to this idea that like, if it works, then it must be true. But if it doesn't work, then I I can dump it because it's totally not true. Um, and 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 so I think that we see this a lot right now in our culture where we see people saying this doesn't work for me. It's not getting me where I want to be. It's not, you know, you know what I mean? And, and so because it's been reduced to this pragmatic sort of sense, people are jumping ship from, from, from Christ. They're saying, you know, Christ doesn't work, you know? Because he, he doesn't fulfill your desires. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but what Paul is getting to over and over again um, is that life is about having Christ. It's not about having all the desires that that of of the things that you want out of life. It's about having Christ, and um, and that should shape the way that we live our life. So so let me ask this: How might then just having Christ, uh, having that perspective that having Christ is the is the best thing possible? What does that do for us? Uh, very practically, how, how does that change the way we live every day? Well, if we think about it as a worldview that Christ is in abundance, um, he is more than enough. Uh, you know, you see him feed the 5,000, and not only does he fully satisfy them, he has leftovers. And that is that is truly how he fills us. Um, and so we don't need to feel like we are in need or that we're missing out on the things of this world because he, he is more than enough. Um, and until we have that that worldview, we'll always feel like we're empty and lacking. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I think for me, it's just while while I look at pain, hurt, experience it in my life in this world, see it in the world, um, I, I know that the only source that can provide peace uh, must be outside this world. And, and so, you know, for me, it's like, that's the solid foundation that I have. Like I have a foundation that's not founded on the things that are going on around me. You know, if I lost my job tomorrow or, you know, anything happened, it's like the foundation is on Christ. Mm -hmm. Um, 
And, and so to me, I think that's, that's what it looks like to actively live out this truth. Yeah. Now, I also want to say like, that's a total process of learning how to surrender because yes. just like, you know, our, our foundation of our worldview should be Christ through this gospel lens. We got a lot of other things that we're bringing to the table, <laughs> you know, before we get there. Mm -hmm. And, and so it's constantly trying to die to self and shed those things off Yeah. as we remember and we live out this truth that Christ has given us. That's the perfect segue because that, that's the actually, I mean, the next part of this is if, if having Christ informs us how we should live, having Christ should also inform us how we should die. Yep. Um, and one of the things that, <laughs> that Scott said, I thought was so good. He said this before, but my, he said, my job is to help you prepare to die, <laughs> yeah. right? Mm -hmm. That as pastors are, are, uh, and, and, and church staff, honestly, that's our job. Like, or our job is to help the people that God has entrusted to our church to learn what it means to die. And that, that doesn't, uh, it's not quite as morbid as that sounds, I suppose, but it's, but the idea behind it is, is just what you're talking about, learning how to die to self, self-sacrifice. Um, so what, what might be some examples of that? Um, just to kind of wrap our minds around like learning how to die type of um, situations in our life. I got a big one that's in the back of my mind. Yeah. Um, and I don't know all the details of this story, but I was talking to a member in our church who recently had a spouse die. And they also had a child die in their life. And um, they were asked this couple weeks ago by somebody else. Um, they said, you know, how, you know, what, what, what's going on in your mind? You know, how's your relationship with God in the midst of this? And what he shared was, he said, you know, I'm thankful for many years of like foundational truth of learning about who God is. He said, now that doesn't mean in those moments that I necessarily always understand what God's doing. Right. He said, but I'm living on the foundation of the gospel truth of who God says he is and the eternity that he's promised. Mm -hmm. And he's like, so there's a working through that. It's not like I'm always excited, you know, to go pray to God after these circumstances happened in my life right away. Right. He's like, but it's a constantly recognizing that God, you say these things are true. So I'm going to submit my trust to you. Yeah. Now that's like the most extreme version that's a, of that. That's a pretty extreme. It's like almost Job. Yeah. Style. But it's, yeah. but, but again, I think, I think that's it. You like when you're rocked by this world, you're turning to a source that's outside this world yeah. and you're saying, okay, God, I'm trusting you. Yeah. You know, I'm trusting the truth that you said. And, and to me, that reality, yes, that I'm trusting reality. that reality yeah. that, that you've promised. And I'm going to walk in faith in that, mm -hmm. which walking in faith often means trusting <laughs> that yeah, reality. Exactly, exactly right. Mm -hmm. Something I thought that Scott said was very interesting was that, um, you know, Paul isn't saying that death gets you out of poor circumstances that were, you know, and I hear this sometimes from um, brothers and sisters in Christ where we say, well, I, this is really terrible and this world has just gone to pot. I can't wait until Jesus comes back, you know, yeah. and because they just want to exit. Yeah. Um, don't we all? But it, if we can look past that and see what, what Paul is getting to here is that for me to stay in the flesh is means fruit. It means fruit, and I think that's why God allows us to continue to sojourn here, mm -hmm. um, because Paul's basically saying that death is better than the best circumstances of life. However, to stay has fruit, yeah. and that and that's why. Well, and that's what like I was. We were talking about this a while back, but when I was reading through Second Corinthians, it's like it's just they really believed that trials and persecution grew them in Christ likeness. Yeah, yeah. Like, like, like actually believe that they mm -hmm. weren't just like, oh, we have to accept this. They're like, nope, like this is, 
this is for our benefit. Absolutely. <laughs> you know, well, and, Paul hints at that again at the end of this yeah. of this section. He's mm-hmm. you know, verse twenty nine, he says, "For it has been granted to you that for the sake of Christ you should not only believe in Him, but also suffer for His sake." There's so there's this idea of both faith, that belief, and the suffering has been granted by Christ, um, which is trippy to think about. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, I mean, it's like, it's even a worldview shift of saying, like you're saying, Ariel, not just trying to get out of our problems. Right. You know, but recognize that God's actually working in our problems. Yeah. A couple, uh, just a couple other, I mean, probably more um, not so extreme examples. Might be an example just like learning how to die every day in mm-hmm. in little things that are going on in our life just so if we can just get really practical for a second um i think that when you are in a any kind of uh relationship with anyone else uh, that, that pretty much covers it that's gonna cover it. yeah like <laughs> like those relationships hold your hand up if you're in a relationship with anybody else yeah <laughs> but 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 I mean, because I can narrow it down to a marriage, I can narrow it down yeah. to kids, but I think it's more than that. I think it's even in the church, it's friendships, it's mm-hmm. all kinds of different things. Coworkers, Co- anything. Yeah. yeah. Um, was that a hint? Okay, so, um, <laughs> no, uh, but all of these things. <laughs> I was like, what's he talking about? That's how outside of it I was. <laughs> but all of these things are are uh, things that the Lord uses to sanctify us, to grow mm-hmm. us in, in Christ-likeness. But that's where we... Are really challenged to to put the put these things to, to the test. How are we, how are we learning how to die in those relationships? Mm-hmm. How are we learning to lay our own desires down? Uh, that's a little death for us, mm-hmm. so that we might serve that other person and help that other person to live more. You know? I chuckle because I I think of the saying, "Y'all be testing the Jesus in me right now." That... Yeah, when someone upsets you and. I mean, truthfully, I hope that that is it, that when we are tested by the trials of the world, that we are seeing more of Jesus in ourselves because we are dying to ourselves and letting him um, work and be through us. Exactly. Yeah. And 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 so just as a, a, litmus, a litmus test here, like a, a way to sort of analyze that, think about the times when you'd, you've had to say you're sorry to somebody or think about the times when you've had to own up to something mm-hmm. in a way. Um how often is that? Um, you know, we, you know what I mean. Like, because we all hurt each other in different ways. Um, but how often do we actually own up to own up to that? Because I think mm-hmm. I think apologizing and and humbling yourself to someone else and confessing, that's a little death. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, or or how often do we uh, give something that we want to someone else or or give give generously to someone else? That's a little death. Mm-hmm. You know. Uh, you know, you you can start to evaluate your life in that way. Are we are we doing a little bit of death every day? Um, because in doing that, that is actually preparing us for death, for mm-hmm. for that for that coming death that is in, inevitable. Well, this reminds me of uh, the summer when um, Pastor Tim Keller was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer, and um, he tweeted out that he was asking for prayer for him and his wife to um, start to let go of the comforts of this world. I think he even said to be weaned off of the comforts of this world. And man, that just comes to mind when we are talking about this and we're talking about preparing for death is that um, if if we're slowly dying to self, it's going to be easier to let Mm -hmm. go of this world Mm -hmm. when it's time. Yeah. Well, to kind of close out 
uh, our, our time here, let's just look back at verse 27. Um, he says, only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit, with one mind striving side by side for the faith of the gospel and not frightened in anything by your opponents. So, Paul, uh, you know, Paul is, has this perspective of, you know, from this worldview should lead to this place of unity mm-hmm. with one another, working side by side, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. Um, my, my question here as we end is, how does this worldview lead to this place where we say we need one another? And why is that the antidote to the, to the opposite worldview? I think this is a good spike for chapter two where he's going to get into um, humility. Mm-hmm. And I think that when we admit that we are not enough, that Christ is enough, and that through his body we are able to labor together, um, that's when we see that the gospel is truly in full um, firing mode. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. I, I was thinking really practical as I was listening to you, just this lay down, you know, churches, it's a call to lay down our preferences, you know, when we come to church to, mm-hmm. to recognize that the body of Christ isn't solely about us and what we want and the way that we want things to be. Mm-hmm. Um, it's about making much of Christ. Um, that's the centerpiece of who we are. But then as you said, then it's sacrificially you know, choosing to say that I'm going to die to myself and uplift, you know, other people in the body mm-hmm. and not make it about me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's a, I think that's a tough, that's a tough call. But when I think of, you know, Paul saying, you know, like that I may hear that you're standing firm in one spirit, it's like, that's, that's what mm-hmm. we're called to. And that's, that's 800 people dying to themselves, focusing on Christ yeah, and the promise that we have in him of eternity. Yeah. And I think that's a that's a radical cultural shift. Yeah. Um, that's a beautiful picture. Yeah, well, we grow to a deeper love. Yeah, and a deeper love for Christ through loving other people. Absolutely, and, and that's a true beautiful picture of community. That's the the kingdom here on earth that we're called to do and mm-hmm. be. So. You know, we cannot, um, we just cannot come to the place where we think that we can do this Christian life alone, where we can. Where we can grow in this worldview yeah. without other Christians around us helping us. Because if we start to think that and we isolate ourselves from that, ultimately we're going to end up with that self-focused <laughs> perspective. Um, and and we, we, I think that's that's part of why we just really need one another. Um, we sharpen each other. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we, we really help one another to grow in this worldview. And whether that's by encouragement or by troubles <laughs> with one another. I think I think that all of it helps to sharpen us and grow us in this worldview. Um, well, church, um, so glad that you guys listened today. We have, we I think we covered a lot of ground, but I feel like we also just sort of scratched the surface of a lot of this stuff. And so if you have questions about the things that we talked about today, please reach out to us. As always, we would love to chat with you, just kind of see what the Lord is doing and teaching you in your life. Um, and, uh, and, and uh, how we can help, how we can help in that in that process. So that's what we're here for. Thanks for listening this week to the Sunday Recap. We are looking forward to next week as we jump into Philippians chapter two and the Christ hymn. So we'll get to that. Uh, I'm excited about that. So we'll uh, we'll see you guys next time on the Sunday Recap.